Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This is the Bucks Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now, your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Bucks Wire editor, Luke Easterling. All right, Luke, another one. Another buck is back. They go out, they extend left tackle Donovan Smith, reportedly agree to bring back Indomitian Sue on a one-year deal. Now, I guess he's it's an agreement, not officially signed. Might be by the time this podcast is uh, is posted, but just another example of the Bucks bringing the band back, man. we got to start there. The band almost fully back together. Only a couple more to go. Yeah, and I think, you know, we've said this on the show before. When, when people outside of Tampa seem surprised that this is happening, nobody that, you know, covers this team on a daily basis is really surprised that this happened. And part of the reason is we knew the team had set themselves up financially to be able to be flexible and, and construct a lot of these deals the way they have. Basically, they're signing really big contract extensions for a couple of years with a lot of money, but they're not going to have to eat it on the salary cap this year. 2021 is going to be – you thought the Bucks went all in last year. This year is going to be even bigger of an all in because of the way they've constructed these contracts. And then Donovan Smith's extension is just the latest example. It's technically a two-year extension. It's not really any new money for him because he had another year on his deal, but they basically guaranteed his salary for this year and next year. His cap hit in 2021 is $3.6 million, Ryan. And just another example, this Donovan Smith deal of the Bucks being creative and, and pushing that money down the road to make another run at the Super Bowl. Now, I like how you put that. It definitely feels like a double down on another Super Bowl championship, right? That's what it is because, correct me if I'm wrong, 2022 – it sounds like it's going to be a flat cap, so the salary cap will be right where it is this year. And then in 2023, it's going to explode with those new TV deals that the uh, NFL recently announced, that $10 billion in TV contracts or whatever it was. So this is a double down. So where, where are the Bucks, Luke, in 2022 right now? Is that Are they going to be like in a Saints kind of situation, like the Saints were coming into this year, or is it not quite that bad yet? I don't even know if the Bucks know how bad it's going to be yet, <laughs> and I don't know, again, that they care. It's when, just a double you know, down. Jason, Let's go for it. Right. J- Jason told us, you know, Jason Light told us a few weeks ago that, you know, they've been very, very frugal with their money, but on purpose so that they could take advantage of, a, of an opportunity like they have now. They're not just going to sit on the money to sit on it, just like you wouldn't spend it just to spend it. You know, they, they, they waited and bided their time, and now they have the opportunity to, to strike while this iron is hot. And they have the advantage of having already won the Super Bowl. It's not like they're like, oh, hey, we're close, and we feel like we're another piece away, so we'll bring these guys back from last year's team because we got really close. No, they did it. They won already. So they're keeping together a team that already proved they can win a Super Bowl, and could be, again, even better this year on both sides of the ball because they're adding another draft class, which I know we'll get to at some point, but there's so many different reasons why the Bucks could be even better this year. And they proved that last year they're already good enough to win the championship. So, so many different reasons for Bucks fans to be excited, but it starts with the fact that almost everybody who made a difference for them last year is going to be back in 2021. Well, they got another one of their guys, Rakeem Nunez-Roches, Nacho. He's back in a two-year contract. That's some more good news. Some bad news is that James White, who I think we all agreed would be an amazing fit with Brady and the Bucks, he's headed back to Foxborough. But as you tweeted, Luke, maybe that signals that Lombardi Lenny, Leonard Fournette, maybe he's the next one back. Who's next, Luke? What's the next piece of the band that's coming back to the Bucks? Now it comes down to those last few guys, right? And I think those last two 
are Fournette and Antonio Brown. I don't know what kind of market Antonio Brown's going to have because of obviously his off-field concerns and the fact that he's 32, I think, um, off the top of my head. He's not getting any younger. The team has Tyler Johnson, Scotty Miller, two talented young guys that they're going to want to develop, obviously. I think Antonio Brown probably ends up back in Tampa because he wants to play with Tom Brady. He wants to keep winning rings uh, and be a contender, and this team has proven that they can give him an atmosphere where he evidently stays out of trouble because he, you know, he, he was able to do that since he joined the team. Um, so, so I don't think that's going to cost too much to keep Antonio Brown for a lot of different reasons. Um, and then Fournette, my only concern with him was after the playoff run he had, it wouldn't have surprised me if he was able to go out on the free agent market and get himself a, you know, a, a longer, more lucrative contract than the Bucks would be willing and or able to provide. In Tampa Bay, he was probably going to get another one-year deal, I felt. And they, you know, everybody knows they didn't have much cap space to play with anyway. So if he were able to, to get a two- or three-year deal with more money from somewhere else and in a place where he could have an increased role, the Bucs still have Ronald Jones. The Bucs drafted Keshawn Vaughn in the third round. The Bucs could end up with one of the top running backs in this draft, uh, depending on how the board falls at number 32. So... You know, if Fournette got a you know more of a an opportunity to be the starter again, more money, more years, it would make sense for him to leave. But the fact that he hasn't signed anywhere yet tells me that's not what he's found in free agency. That, that tells me that he has not found that deal that is more years, more money, and more opportunity than he will get in Tampa Bay. And if those things aren't on the other side of the scale, why the hell would you leave? You know, why would you go anywhere else but the place you just won a Super Bowl and had a big impact? Uh, I, I think that you know everything continues to point towards those two guys coming back to Tampa Bay for not a whole lot of money because the market is telling them they're not worth as much as they they thought they were or that they would like to be. And I think the Bucks still have some money they could move around. They they what they just did with Donovan Smith's contract they could easily do with Ryan Jensen who's got one year left on his deal. He's supposed to make ten million this year, but none of that is guaranteed. They could easily add a year or two to his deal and move some of that salary around to create enough cap space to keep. A.B. and Leonard Fournette. But I think those are the last two guys on their list that are, that are the big priorities. Uh, and once that happens, man, you really don't need to touch anybody else. You, you don't need to go after anybody else. you got a whole new draft class coming in. you got eight draft picks. I, I mean, this team is going to look almost the same. They're just going to have another year of comfort with each, with each other and, and not have to spend 12 weeks gelling together. And that's a scary proposition, man. When you just think that the same team is coming back, the only difference is they're going to be more comfortable, more confident in executing their their schemes and their offense and their defense because they're going to know it better. And you're going to add a draft class. Mind you, last year the Bucks got Tristan Wirfs and Antoine Winfield with their first two picks. Yes. And those two guys could have easily won Rookie of the Year on either side of the ball with the way they played last year. So, you know, adding a draft class for a team that drafts really well to the Super Bowl champion roster that's going to be back almost in its entirety, if not completely. I mean, that's that's got to be a, a huge reason for Bucks fans to be excited. No, there's no doubt. I mean, it's this concept of addition by no subtraction, right? Just don't don't subtract anyone from last year's roster. Like, let's do everything we can to get the band back. And I, I love it. It's great. And you made these like really nice points on Bucks Wire. The fact that Todd Bowles and Byron Leftwich somehow are still here. They didn't command more interest for head coaching positions maybe that's because they were all the way to the super bowl and they were they had a long season i don't know but they're both back that's plus you also got oj howard who got hurt early in the year he'll be back you got vita vea who missed most of the regular season he's back alex kappa he's back like there's even more guys that we're, we're adding that we're not talking about that because they're not free agents so it's kind of fun man it just keeps on rolling right it really does and and you mentioned some interesting names there 
Alex Kappa started most of the season, uh, I think the entire regular season at right guard, but they lost him for the entire playoffs. So Aaron Stinney came in, made his first career start in the playoffs, and then started the rest of the way. And we've talked about it before. When you don't call an offensive lineman this name, you know he's doing his job. You didn't hear his name very much in the playoffs, if at all. Stinney's back on a one-year deal also. So Kappa comes back from that injury, and you get Stinney behind him, who's got that playoff starting experience and that confidence going into next season, and he gets to be a depth piece for you. He doesn't have to be a starter right away. So, uh, you know, you mentioned O.J. Howard, adding him back to the offense. I mean, come on. One of the greatest athletes at the position right now. Obviously, he hasn't been able to stay healthy, but hopefully that changes this season. Uh, Vita Vea, like you said, uh, you you go out in week five with a broken leg. You think you're going to be out for the season. Guy like Nacho steps in, starts 11 games. Will Golston uh, filled in and, and picked up his game, and, and they really did the best they could to cover up. You can't replace a guy like Vita Vea physically, obviously, and, and just what he brings to that defense. But they did a pretty darn good job of trying, and, and all those guys are back too. So it's it's just so interesting when you add back, like you said, the guys that were injured and missed so much time, you add a draft class, and you basically are bringing back everybody else. Why would you not pick these guys to win it again? Speaking of that draft class, it's never a bad thing to be picking number 32, Luke. You write for the draft wire. Can't wait to hear what your thoughts are on the Bucks day one, maybe day two. What are the Bucks thinking? We'll get to that coming up next. All right, Luke, as we start to look towards this draft, I, I think one thing that's really interesting is there's so many teams this year that are just hungry for a quarterback early. It's going to make it interesting, right? There's going to be some names on the board. It might be pretty, still pretty deep by the time the Bucks get around to picking at number 32. So when you look at this draft, the pool of players and all the quarterbacks are going to be flying off the board early and probably in those first 15, 20 picks. What do you think? Are the Bucks going to be standing in kind of a powerful position picking number 32? Maybe there'll be more value there than in years past. Yeah, I think I think so. And I, I saw a great segment from uh, Colin Cowherd, actually, who you know bro- actually broke that down. And the fact that even some of the better teams in the league Elsewhere, you can point out and say that they have a clear-cut like top need, like they need something. And and you could start at thirty-one with Kansas City. Obviously, they are a Super Bowl champion caliber team. But you saw what happened to their offensive line in the Super Bowl, and they got rid of both of the starting tackles that were missing that made them struggle so much. Right. Yeah. So obviously, the offensive line is a huge need for Kansas City, and every team after that has some sort of position where you can look at and say that's the spot where they have to try to focus on that in the draft and Colin you know broke it down really well he's like if you look at everybody on the Bucks roster and and this goes to our previous segment when you bring everybody back there's no holes on the roster because you're a championship team and everybody's coming back at every position there's nowhere on the Bucks depth chart where you can look and say they need a starter right now and it, it take you back a year ago the Bucks went into that draft. They had to have a right tackle. And obviously it was a great year to need one because there were four offensive tackles who could all say, I'm the best offensive tackle in this draft. And if, you know, I think it was Andrew Thomas went number four to the Giants. He was the first one off the board. If Tristan Wirfs would have gone there and Andrew Thomas would have gone 13th to Tampa Bay, nobody would have batted an eye. That's how closely I, I graded, I think, most people had those top four tackles, throwing Mekhi Becton and, and Jed Wills as well. Those four guys were so good as prospects that they could have been in any order. The Bucks just happened to, in my opinion, get the best of the four at uh, number 13. That's why they traded up a spot just to get him. But you come into this season and that, that's not there anymore. They have worse now. They got Winfield last year, which wasn't even really a huge need at safety, but obviously he became a starter right away. You, there's nowhere on the depth chart where you look and say the Bucks have to get this guy in the first or second round and they have to be 
starting right away week one. There's just no position like that. So you are in a position at 32 where you can let the board come to you and either A, you get somebody who's a huge talent at no matter what the position is, you just take the value, or you you know prey on the fact that other teams picking early in the second round are going to want to jump up for guys that they desperately need, and you can get a trade that can set you up better the next day or even for future drafts uh, by getting draft capital that way. So I think if I were to look at any position and say this is where the, the Bucks could find a difference maker day one, I think it's a running back. I, I think you saw – some flashes from Ronald Jones last year. You saw what Leonard Fournette did in the playoffs, but they still don't have a guy who can go out there on all three downs and make the same kind of impact as a runner outside and between the tackles with home run speed, who can also do those things in the passing game, can pass protect, can catch the ball really well out of the backfield and, and make plays as a receiver. And when you look at the top three running backs in this draft, then I think there's, there's a top tier where you've got Najee Harris from Alabama. You've got Travis Etchen from, uh, from Clemson. And then you've got Javante Williams from, um, from North Carolina. So all three of those guys are, are three-down backs. They're guys that catch the ball really well and naturally out of the backfield. They've done it a lot at the college level and proven it. And they're also big, tough, physical runners with the speed to make big plays as well. So if any of those three guys is there at 32, I think you could make the, the strong case that the Bucks won't find a more instant impact player than they will at running back if they can get one of those three guys. If it's not a running back, I think you're just like Colin Cowherd said, he, you know, draft for depth. That's the Bucks are going to draft for depth. If it's not a running back who can kind of challenge for that starting role, I think you're looking for an edge rusher. Uh, obviously, Shaq Barrett's back on a long term deal, but Jason Pierre Paul is going to be, you know, in his mid 30s and, and on his la- the last year of his deal, he's had some injuries that he's dealt with. So, you know, maybe you're looking for a young pass rusher there. And Dominican Sue is back on a number on another one year deal. It's the third year in a row that he's 34. You know, how long is he going to keep playing? Maybe you look for an interior defensive lineman, which in this class, there's not really a clear-cut first-rounder. You might get the best interior defender in this class at 32. So I think that's probably where the Bucks end up looking. If it's not a defensive front depth player to develop behind some of these older starters, maybe it's a, a big play running back who can be a three-down back. Yeah, I love it. And uh, you kind of stole my next question right out from under me, Luke, so... Darn you. No, but the Bucks, they got eight total selections, two picks in the seventh round, obviously three picks in the top 100. But going through the mock draft that you had on Bucks Wire, one of the latest ones, a lot of offensive line, a lot of defensive line on day two, right? Like, so if they're going to add depth, as you said, trenches, right? That's a good place to start. It's a good place to get young talent to groom under some really good veterans that the Bucks have. Absolutely. And I think you look no further than last year to see why that matters so much because injuries happen more often in the trenches, I think. And and I think that it's such a physical game down there that you've got to have bodies you can trust. That was tested last year. We talked about Nacho. We talked about Aaron Stinney, guys that had to step into the starting lineup at key moments for this team. And you have to have talented guys who can step up and make you not miss Vita Vea as much, not miss Alex Kappa as much. Obviously, it's going to be a drop-off of some sort usually, but you know you got to take advantage of, of the opportunity to add those depth players because – whether it's injuries, whether it's a year or two down the road, that contract is up and you need a starting caliber player. You know, you, the Bucks are in a very advantageous situation to be able to reload a, any position. And I think the game is won and lost on both sides of the ball in the trenches. And so if they have the opportunity to do that, not to mention the fact that particularly in this class, offensive line, it's a huge, very deep offensive line class this year in this draft. Not so much interior defensive line. I think there's a lot of good edge rushers in this draft, 
But the depth across all the rounds, I think, is really going to play to the fact that the Bucks can reload the trenches on both sides of the ball and get some quality players they can develop behind their veteran starters. Literally no better guy to be breaking down the draft at Luke Easterling, man. I love it. We'll be doing that week to week going forward. Can't wait to really dig into this draft, see what the Bucks are going to do. It's a nasty team, man. It's a nasty team. I'm here for it. So for Luke Easterling, I'm Ryan O'Leary. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back with more Draft Talk next week. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.